This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 58 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, partly sunny. May have wind gusts up to 20 miles an hour and a high today in the low to mid-70s. A Binghamton man is being charged with attempted murder in connection with a shooting incident at a home on Prospect Street a couple blocks from the Woodrow Wilson Elementary School at the end of the school day yesterday. According to a news release, Detective Captain Corey Miner says 48-year-old Franklin Smalls of Binghamton is charged with felony attempted murder and criminal possession of a weapon in the 3.30 p.m. incident at 314 Prospect Street. The police news release reports 26-year-old man who was shot in the abdomen and seriously injured lives at the home and was involved in what they said was a dispute with another resident at the house when he was shot. Investigators say they found a SARS USA 9mm handgun and a loaded 40 caliber Sig Sauer handgun during a search of the home. Police have not provided the name of the victim or his condition as of this morning. Investigators have reportedly confiscated computer hard drives and dozens of DVDs from a Kirkwood home owned by a federal judge as part of a criminal investigation into the judge's son. 49-year-old son of senior U.S. District Court Judge Thomas McAvoy, Daniel McAvoy, has been indicted on 29 felony counts accused of recording women engaged in sexual acts in his uh, Manhattan apartment. According to the report, investigators seized three spindles holding more than 150 DVDs, hard drives, compact discs, a desktop computer, and an electronic notebook from property owned by Judge Thomas McAvoy in the town of Kirkwood. Items seized in a search of Daniel McAvoy's Manhattan apartment reportedly included four hard drives, four SD cards, a thumb drive, three camcorders, two GoPro cameras, and a white powdery substance in a container. The news story noted Judge McAvoy has not been accused of any wrongdoing. His son was indicted by a Manhattan grand jury on September 7th. WMBF News Time 906. As local health departments are urging people to sign up to get the new bivalent COVID-19 booster, the Tompkins County Health Department is publicizing availability of a vaccine against another virus that's spreading. According to a notice from the health department, appointments are being taken for eligible residents to get a first or second dose of monkeypox vaccine on Thursday at a clinic being held from 1 to 4 p.m. at the health department on Brown Road in Ithaca. The vaccine is free and available for any individual who may be at risk, including gay men and members of the bisexual, transgender, and gender nonconforming community and other communities of men who have sex with men and who have engaged in intimate or skin-to-skin contact with others in the last 14 days. And individuals who have contact with someone in a social networking experience, monkeypox activity, including those who meet partners through an online website, app, or social event like a bar or party. Appointments for Thursday's clinic can register online or dial 211 for assistance. Meanwhile, the Tompkins County Health Department asks residents to remain aware of the symptoms of monkeypox and take steps to reduce risk. 
City of Binghamton is providing funding for a new Volunteers Improving Neighborhood Environments, or VINES, office in downtown Binghamton. The 4,000-square-foot office will be located on two vacant lots at Susquehanna and Fayette Streets, which VINES acquired from the city in 2020. In addition to the office space, the building using straw bale insulation will have a large open community programming space. Kitchen will have the first net zero energy building in the city of Binghamton. The project in total will cost $1.8 million. City of Binghamton plans to provide $300,000 in American Rescue Plan Act funding. Additional funding comes from foundation grants, Empire State Development, NYSERDA, and the State Municipal Facilities Program Grant. Vine's Executive Director, Amelia Lodoce, says the group expects to break ground on the project in the spring of 2023, and the whole thing should be complete in 18 months. Back to business in the village of Johnson City following a day of some offices being shut down. At around 8 yesterday morning, the Johnson City Mayor's Office advised the public that the village's Main Street office and the Water Department offices on Camden Street were being closed until further notice as a result of an electrical issue. Village officials have not given any specifics about that electrical problem, but did issue a statement about 5 last evening saying both offices were open for business today. WMBF News Time 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast partly sunny today. Winds gusting as high as 20 miles an hour, a high in the low to mid 70s. Partly cloudy tonight, low in the mid 50s. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a 30% chance of showers. That activity mainly in the evening hours and a high near 80 with some more showers moving through the area at 90% chance on Wednesday night. For Thursday, 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, partly sunny, a high in the mid to upper 60s. Winds could gust as high as 22 miles an hour. Friday, mostly sunny, a high only near 60. And Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Currently, it's 58 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. This is how it begins on a Tuesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. Let's do this thing and let's do it live, shall we? 607-772-1290 is the number if you'd like to talk about almost anything. Email address is bob at wnbf.com. Coming up today, we have uh, interesting guests, interesting topics, and potential surprises. We'll be here till noon, so be sure to pay close attention, everyone, as new information will be released. Let's start the morning with a quick perusal of my favorite website, WNBF.com. 
course, uh, latest information on another shooting in the violent city. This time, a man shot, seriously injured, on Prospect Street in the First Ward. And, of course, we've been covering it since it happened at 3.30 Monday afternoon. And we have uh, some background over on the website, WNBF.com. One person has been charged with attempted murder in that shooting that happened two blocks away from Woodrow Wilson Elementary School. So in the past, say a year ago, the violence was near the high school. A year ago today, the shootout near Binghamton High School. Now, people are being shot near elementary schools. So, um, our violent city, what have they done to stop gun violence in Binghamton? Uh, If you know what they have done to reduce gun violence in Binghamton, please call our Stop Gun Violence hotline at 607-772-1290. If you have uh, the details. According to the authorities, as part of the investigation into the shocking daytime shooting two blocks away from Woodrow Wilson Elementary School, where a 26-year-old man was gunned down. The police, as part of that investigation, found a 9mm handgun and a 40 caliber handgun. So those are the only guns they apparently found. So it's not as though they found an arsenal. And this apparently was not a shootout, unlike what happened last year near the high school. That was a shootout. This... This was just a uh, person. I don't know if he's going to... I don't know if he's going to make it. man who was shot has uh, not been identified by the police. And therefore, I won't be using his name. 26-year-old man. Uh, suspect is 48 years old. Again, more information about all this. Some... Um, Pictures from shortly after the shooting and some video. You can see it on WNBF.com. It's 9-16 right here at News Radio, WNBF. And we turn our attention to Karen Sweet O'Neill. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm okay, too. I was just in Vestal. You know... um, I was in Vestal at 8.59. Isn't it interesting that my program starts at 9.12 and I'm in Vestal at 8.59? You, you have to wonder You have to wonder who does my scheduling. Does Scotty beam you over? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, I, uh, I, I won't let any cats out of the bag. I discovered something really, really interesting in Vestal when I I stopped to check something out this morning. So if you want to know what's going on, actually not far from your Vestal office, I would encourage you to take a look at WNBF.com later today. All right, I shall. Very, very interesting. Oh, okay. You don't want to tell me? No, no, I can't tell you. I haven't finished reporting the story. What Ah. What if I obtain more information that changes the overall thrust of the story? Well, that's why you're a good reporter. Well, I try. 
I try. I, know. I, I try to well. spend. I try to spend as much time on each story as possible. I wish I could spend more time on each story, but you know what it is: productivity, man. Mm-hmm. You know? do it. Yep. You never have enough time to spend on any story. I, if I had my druthers, I would spend a, a whole week on every story before I actually published it. Well, <laughs> but then, be, then again, I'd be looking know. for a job someplace because <laughs> they say. I, they say no, Bob. We don't we don't want guys who do original reporting and spend a full week on the story. It would be a great story, but that's not what we're doing here. So I, you'd have the time, though. That's for sure. Oh, I would. I would. Yeah, anyway, I so um, you called to no. uh, give us a preview of tomorrow's uh, big feature, the Wednesday feature. I. Did and we have some big changes that came uh, came out over the weekend for IBM retirees that are on Medicare. Um, very very important. What's happening is IBM is changing its retiree medical benefits from via benefits to a Medicare uh, PPO. So that's pretty interesting. And it's why is it interesting because. What they did was they researched, they said they listened to their members about the experience with the marketplace through VIA Benefits, and it was decided that it would be a better case scenario for IBM to put together, along with United Healthcare, because that's the company that's offering the PPO, uh, two different plans, and those plans will be available to the IBM retirees. Now, it's... Uh, everything, like you said, Bob, everything's right in the beginning, you know, so we're getting everything piecemeal, we're, we're researching everything. This is a pretty big deal because IBM retirees now receive um, a subsidy towards their health insurance premiums. And the subsidies are pretty large. They're between, you know, 3000 and $3,500 a year. So in, in virtually it can pay for their health care for the year. So if these IBM retirees are going through the VIA benefits, which is the way they had to do it, and we walked everybody through it. If they don't switch over to these new PPO plans, okay, then the subsidies go away. So that's a pretty big deal because a lot of times what people do, as we both know, if it's, you know, if it's not broken, we don't fix it. So if they like their health care plan, they don't even think about it. They don't do anything with it. They just keep it and let it roll over year to year. So this is something that they need to respond to, will help them determine what they're looking at and where they're going and how they can get the subsidies for the new plans and what the differences are, because the differences are going to be very large. All right. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. All right. Well, I know a lot of people who will be tuned in for that. Oh, yeah, we have a big, huge. big population of IBM retirees. Oh, I can't even tell you how many thousands of people will want to tune in to hear, hear the uh, information that you're going to convey. Yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be pretty important uh, for these people to definitely pay attention to their mail, pay attention to what we're telling them, and then we can always bring them in, obviously, and walk them through the changes and what they need to do if they want to change their health care. So, 772-4898, and you have to dial 607, as we know. We're up on the Parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East. You can Google us at KSO Insurance, all our contact information comes up, or simply go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Karen Sweet O'Neill, 
thank you so much. Keep your eyes open. There's a lot going on right now in Vestal, not far from your office. And if I were you, I would pay very, very close attention. Okay. I usually do. So I'm I'm excited to see what you're talking about. Oh, you will be. I'll hear about it later. You'll hear about it. You'll hear about it on the radio, and you'll see it at WNBF.com, because that's where news breaks first. Excellent. Thank you, Karen. We'll speak tomorrow morning. All right. Thanks, Bob. 921, live and local, Bob Joseph uh, in the studio for the moment. I may have to leave the studio for breaking news at any given time. If that's the case, you may hear the very best of the Bob Joseph program. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, where's Bob? He's covering breaking news now. Well, why should he? He shouldn't be covering breaking news now. That's no longer a thing. I know, but you try to tell him that. 607-772-1290 is the number. Bob at WNBF.com is the email address. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the free WNBF app. Some person. News Radio 1290 WNBF at 925. And coming up uh, today, we'll be speaking with the owner of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, David Sabatko. We'll talk about the uh, season that just wrapped up. Look back at the 2022 season and a look ahead to the future. It'll be coming up on our program. Also, uh, some potential surprises because people people enjoy surprises, I'm told. So let's see. Even had a chance to take a look at the front page of America's favorite newspaper today. Of course, the Press and Sun Bulletin. Let's see what they have put on page one for the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin. I always wish when they refer to it, I wish they would refer to it always as the Press and Sun Bulletin, not just the Press or the Press and Sun. I think they if they re- reference their paper, I think they should call it always the Press and Sun Bulletin. That way it respects all the papers that are part of its rich history. The Press and Sun ignores a key component, the Endicott Daily Bulletin. So if you refer to the newspaper, it is not just the Press or not just the Sun or the Press and Sun. It's the Press and Sun Bulletin. Thank you. Or else just turn it into New York today. Here's the front page. Uh, they have some international story on there dominating, which was in the news yesterday. So let's focus on local news. New York schools stop reporting COVID cases. David Robinson from Rockland, Westchester. Journal News. Low HUD 
Trump.com. Before President Biden declared the COVID-19 pandemic over on CBS Sunday, New York recently stopped requiring schools to report cases and lifted most remaining mask mandates intended to curb outbreaks. Also, there's a story. Binghamton gives 300000 to support urban farming. Story by Emily Barnes. So Vines will receive some money for the uh, project that, gee, we've been reporting on that Vines project for years now, as I recall. But anyway, um, and, and it was supposed to have been built and constructed by now, but uh, there have been delays, and now suddenly, out of the blue, we see uh, the city of Binghamton, Apparently, we'll give some money. I'm looking back on a story from about a year and a half ago. The uh, Community Gardens Group Vine starts building capital campaign for the project. Total project cost at the time was said to be $960,000. So they also had reconfigured the uh, project. Was somewhat different when than what they had originally envisioned. So, all right. So that's an ongoing story, as we have said. We've been covering that now. I think for at least two years. So maybe it'll get built next year. The story I did in March of 2021 said the. Construction at that time was expected to start in May. Well, obviously it didn't, so maybe maybe it will start next year. So we'll keep you posted on that. At least we had an update on the project. Most big projects in Binghamton, updates are seldom provided for some reason. I'm not sure why. They should have something on the City of Binghamton website called Current Status of all projects that have ever been announced. You put that on the home page and put it right at the top, the upper right corner. Update on all Binghamton projects that have been announced over the last 50 years. So any project that has been announced since 1972, they could have an update accessible from the home page of the Binghamton website, and that way you could find out uh, whether that Mondev project is going to get built or whether some of the other things that they've talked about over the last several decades, whether they're getting built or if they're just currently on the back burners. John in Binghamton, good morning. Uh, that's a prime example, Vines, of uh, an empire being built, something that, that started innocuous, you know, community gardens, who could object to that? The the only thing is, is that, you know, Broome County uh, does its own garden plots. Uh, what Vines did is they got parcel after parcel of free land, a dollar. They don't even pay water in the city of Binghamton, uh, forbidden by the charter. And, uh, you know, they use terms like sustainable. And now they need a, a corporate headquarters, a Probably a, a better building than accounting firms and financial planners have in the city of Binghamton right now. But the interesting thing about it, Bob, is you're talking about $77 a pound 
uh, for their sustainable produce. According to the their tax returns, their $544,000 budget, and according to the newspaper, 7,000 pounds of produce. So it is, uh, and this is why they've changed their mission, you know. It used to be just about community garden. You know, some, some ex-hippies, uh, you know, want to listen to Dave Matthews and, and grow a few tomatoes. Now, now it's about something else. It's about education. It's about the Obama youth program. So this is just another example of how these organizations start and continue on and on, take more property off the tax rolls and, and build an empire. But what I wanted to talk about, which I think I think there's a couple of big stories. I think the biggest one yesterday, in addition to the shooting, was uh, up above in Oneida County when uh, the Oneida Nation announced their plans for the marijuana industry uh, from seed to sale, uh, complete uh, vertical integration. A uh, huge growing operation. They're going to have retail locations. And, uh, you know, this is big news because I think this strikes the death blow into uh, Binghamton's so-called hemp hub. Uh, you know, uh, just look at what the United Nation, uh, United, United Nation did to the cigarette industry. So uh, now they'll collect the same amount of tax. Uh, that uh, the New York law requires. So uh, that's encouraging. Uh, they're com- they're going to have a huge competitive advantage. And, uh, you know, we're back to what I predicted, a Thunder Road uh, uh, type uh, situation. With all but I thought, the, I thought the cannabis plantation over at... Uh charles street business park which is interesting uh charles street business park i thought the plan to grow weeds on the eight acres there i thought that was going to be the foundation for a new tomorrow well no it's not going to be a uh, uh, success and this is a successful business even though it's been underground breeds ruinous competition and the fact of the matter is you're now competing uh, with the largest employer in the two counties uh, that it's located in, the United Oneida Nation, and uh, in 16 counties uh, adjacent to the United Nation, it is the sixth largest employer in the top six. So you're competing with an unbelievable amount of uh, expertise and uh, financial wherewithal. So uh you know it's 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 not looking good for Donna Lopardo's signature project which uh, is the thing you, you know uh, one more interesting story i could go on and on i got two actually one uh, it's been a month uh for the Boscos front door the plate glass i wrote stacy duncan the landlord the, the head of the ida and uh, they call this the home of innovation, and I've been at council meetings and legislative meetings where all they talk, IDA meetings, where all they talk about is the community image. For one month, the home of innovation uh, can't seem to secure plate glass. Uh, 
that's that's unbelievable. That's a bad landlord. I mean, Isaac Anzarut, uh, in his condemned downtown property, uh, has all the glass uh, secured. Yeah, actually, I, I, I don't. Know. I mean, look look at ninety five Court Street. I mean, admittedly, Mister Anzarut a few months ago boarded it up from the inside but all the glass as far as i can tell at street level and throughout that entire historic building uh even though by city standards technically it's still condemned all the glass is intact and i look at obviously mr ansroot still owns dozens of properties in binghamton and johnson city i have to say given how many properties he actually owns in terms of of windows I think the glass, for the most part, is intact. Or, you know, if things get broken, seems seems that it's replaced quickly. There was even another case here on Court Street near Bosco's that um, a window was smashed, and that was replaced within days. I think it was what? replaced within, well, maybe three or four days. I didn't have a stopwatch, and I thought if they and that was a very small business without lots of revenue streams, if they could get their glass replaced that quickly, how come the Bosco's glass looks like that? John, tell me why it looks like that day after day, week after week. uh, I've written the fire marshal. I don't know how people get in and out of there. I don't know if that's fireproof wood on there. Uh, This is... You know, this is this was supposed to be the big showcase. You know, it's another school year. We're showcasing Binghamton. Uh, this is a complete joke. It shows that you know you're paying the uh, the head of the IDA one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Look, uh, these people, uh, and and you know, touching on one of, one of your earlier callers a week or two ago when they said that Cram did not answer a call back. Look, I deal with a lot of CEOs of billion-dollar companies. Everything's a billion-dollar company now, but they call back. Uh, the the best, the, the most important people in America will call you back or have uh, somebody call you back. There That's my absolute- policy. If people call me... See, as long as they leave a contact number, that's the one thing. Sometimes people call and they leave messages, and for some reason they don't leave a um, a phone number where they can be reached. But I'll tell you this: if you if you send me an email or you call me and and leave your the number where you can be reached, I'll call you. And yeah. that's my policy. I and by the way, I don't give it to an assistant. It'd be easy. Here, assistant. Why don't you call back this person? Because I'm just too busy. I I do a live talk program, then I go out in the field uh, reporting and taking, you know, going into the most dangerous parts of our city to report on what's going on. So I don't have time to call people back. No, I I make time to call people back. You know well, that, John. When you've left messages for me, you know I get back in touch with you. Oh, absolutely. And this is this is a. A hallmark of, of, you know, they asked a, a guy that I met when he was the manager of the REO Speedwagon, Irv Azoff, who became the, one of the biggest managers in showbiz. They asked, the students asked him, uh, what's the number one thing you should do? And he says, you return every call, every email. Uh, and uh, this is what Jeff Cram doesn't 
do because he thinks, you know, see, here's the problem with these, these people don't, they're, they're not, they think they're in charge of the enterprise. They don't look any further than their own clique uh, and the people that they hang out with. They think it's a private company. And, and that's, that's what the IDA does. So just let it sit there. But see, this is where their words and their actions, their big BS campaigns on television, saturation, advertising, because they can't even get plate glass in a store uh, that, that's over a month old. People are going to be thinking that we had a, another riot. Well, yeah, it, it would. you would look at that and say, wow, that, that must be bad. I happen to know the story of what happened, but and it wasn't a riot. But I, I also will point out, a week ago today, John, um, it was a Tuesday afternoon, shortly after this broadcast was completed. Firefighters had to go to the Boscow store because of a smoke condition on the third floor. And as they were heading there, the uh, fire department duty chief radioed to all units. Uh, remember, the main entrance there at Court and Water is boarded up. You cannot enter the store. You cannot enter this building because it's boarded up. So they all had to enter on that one entrance on, on Water Street. Oh, well, oh, well that's, that's great news because, uh, uh, you know, that was the crux of my letter to the fire. Oh, it's, yeah, so they're aware of it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought... Oh no! They, they remember they had to respond. Fortunately, that turned out to be just a, an overheated so, air handling system, but or air handling unit. But yeah, they um, the responding fire companies were were alerted. You can't go through the you know you can't enter through the main entrance because it's still all boarded up. Well, then that's that's uh, and I think there's isn't there one less exit now that they. Uh, wrecked the parking ramp i don't know was there a well there were used to be exits on each floor of the parking right. ramp so all of those are gone now so what you have is the store as far as i know there are two exits on water street you have the one uh near well directly across oh, or near the pizza place across from nurchie's pizza we'll say and then another one just a little bit further north next to where the parking ramp used to be so as far as i know those are the the only authorized entrances and exits there might be other emergency exits to the building that i'm not aware of but i don't i don't think the the exits of course that used to exist on the upper floors where people could get access to the um, to the parking garage obviously they're closed so i don't know I, I i'm not sure if you have now, last tuesday afternoon i would say there were several dozen shoppers and employees in the store so apparently all of them managed to easily exit the store when that alarm went off because they didn't know initially the source of the smoke it turned out it was not an actual fire but it does make you wonder what what would happen, say, if there were several hundred people in the store? Lots and lots of value-seeking shoppers and lots and lots of employees serving them. Could they easily and safely get out of the building quickly, out those two working exits, when the main entrance, the main door, has been out of service for about a month? Yeah, well, that's, that's just, uh, uh, you know... Uh not acceptable. Well, obviously, we could ask our questions, but we'll not receive any answers. Again, you know, that's that's to the point. All these things are part of the city of Binghamton, and they can't be answered. 
and they yeah. they shall not be answered. Uh, here, here's just a bright spot: the Bishop of Ar- uh, Odskinsburg. Uh, this is a uh, <clears throat> WWNY or whatever that uh, television uh, blow torches in the North Country. Watertown. Story. Channel Seven. Yeah. Uh, they uh, somebody gave. Uh, documents, whistleblowing documents, to the Bishop of Odskinsburg in something that he wasn't involved in, which has to do with Cardinal Dolan and uh, covering up uh, some aspects of this sex offender uh, scandal. Uh, And uh, this bishop uh, did, under canon law, what he was required to do to pass the documents directly to Pope Francis, and he has confirmed to the television station that those documents uh, have are now in the Pope's possession, and it doesn't look good for Cardinal Dolan at this point. And I think Cardinal Dolan's been out of the limelight. He used to be on Fox every <clears throat> every week or so, you know. And he's really maintaining a low profile, so uh, this could be the reason why. But kudos to the Bishop of Odskinsburg. That's a very yeah. Thanks for pointing out that story. I just punched it up on my screen, so that's that's interesting. I didn't realize that was going on. John in Binghamton, nine forty-four. More calls coming up from more people here on WNBF. You- WNBF Life is a bowl of cherries. Dale in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. How's it going? Good morning, everybody. Not too bad. Um, I'm thinking uh, that Shenango Street Bridge, which cuts off a, a lot of people going to Port Dickinson or, or wherever, and uh, to hang all that concrete underneath that bridge like that on on an interstate, you know, with all that traffic and the vibration, if you even walk through there, you feel that vibration. And how long is that concrete going to be over your head? You know, and who made the, who made that decision? Was it the city of Hampton? No, it's not the city. It's not the city's problem it's well, the state that's where the argument is right no, well no the dirt all out no it's all the state the city has nothing to do have you noticed nobody in the city of binghamton the mayor city council members the police chief the, the fire chief nobody that's in, in this sits there like that no it's not the city's problem that's why nobody city officials even though the north side has been cut in half for more than a year because of that closure okay. they don't care for you so if City Hall cared, or if the police or fire departments cared, they would say, look, we, we find this problematic. We want the state to move quicker because it's affecting our ability to um, provide essential services. Look, the police department, the fire department, ambulances, yeah, they're all, all on the south side. Detour. They're all on the south side of the bridge. And when I bring this up, everybody's like, you know, so? Yeah, except for the people who live on the other side of the bridge. They're not saying so. Well, you know what I think the the problem is. No one wants to be responsible for it, and uh, you know to run across Interstate eighty one seventeen, come up on sur- suicide curve. I used to call it anyway, and uh, all that traffic and everything, the vibration and everything. 
And who's going to hang concrete off the bottom of that bridge? Who, who made that decision? The DOT. But they won't provide anybody for an interview. I've been working the story now for, well, since 2014, almost since the time. They built the bridge in 2013. We did a story I think my first story about problems with the bridge is in 2014, and the DOT, as far as I can recall, has never made anyone available for an interview about this. And so what the information they release is extremely limited because they don't want us to know the full story. Well, if, if you walk on down the river walk and, and um, below us, you know, the 1781 split or... 86 or whatever you want to call it, you can feel the vibration. And to hang all that concrete up there like that, I'm wondering who's responsible for that. The DOT, Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul runs the state. She runs the DOT. So it's Kathy Hochul and the DOT commissioner. They're all responsible for that bridge. Going around, you know. Well, if something happens, remember Kathy Hochul and remember the DOT commissioner. If anything ever happens to that bridge, just remember those people. Like a piece of concrete falling down on you. <laughs> what? Do you think a piece of concrete could fall on someone? I think so, because that's what's been happening. That's why the road is closed. Well, no, nothing has fallen. It's been sinking. The reason it was closed was because the bridge kept sinking. And if, if it kept sinking like that another 30 or 40 years, even sure? even short people sure? even short people would have trouble getting <laughs> under the bridge because it was sinking too well, fast. Well, they sure thought about before they built that, you know, that, that's just ridiculous, the vibration from all that traffic and everything, and to hang all that concrete. Above, above your head. Well, someone thought it was clever, but but no one wants to talk about well, it because that? Be, nobody will identify the person. the The person yeah. who made the decision has not been identified. So right now, it's Kathy Hochul's responsibility and Marie Therese Dominguez. She's the transportation commissioner. She ought to come on the program and and explain. Why a bridge? Why? She's, she has been transportation commissioner in New York State for more than three years. She ought to explain mm -hmm. why that street has been shut down to vehicular traffic for more than a year without any sufficient explanation for what caused the problem, what is being done about it, and who is going to pay yeah. for it. Yeah, and I guess that goes to the courts or something, and that'll take... God knows how long. Oh, yeah. Look how long the thing took for a tentative settlement for the sewage treatment plant. So, unfortunately, in this day and age, no one wants to take any responsibility. Andrea in Endwell. Good morning. Matt in Binghamton. Good morning. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, I agree with John about the window at Boscos, but as far as... Uh, community gardens, vines, you can't, you know, look, that organization started to, you know, it's been done in many places in the country, to provide neighborhoods that don't have access to fresh produce uh, to have that. We have an epidemic of, in our poor communities, of diabetes um, and all those kinds of things. So you, you just can't measure something that's meant to 
impact the community in many different ways by how much a pound the, the vegetables cost. It, this is not supposed to be. It's a not-for-profit organization, and it's not their whole mission is to, I mean, I can't tell you how many young kids have gone through that program who would have been doing things uh, probably on the streets in those poor communities that we don't want them to do if they weren't uh, focused, laser-focused on learning how to grow their own vegetables, uh, having a positive influence in their life. You just can't measure. Uh, that's what unfettered capitalism is. John, I know, believes in Adam Smith, and, and I remember the days when they used to talk about that on their show. This is not – unfettered capitalism leads to – horrible problems. When you have capitalism that gives money and ch to the charities like the Vines because they know what great things they're doing in the community, then you have a little less unfettered capitalism. So that's what we're talking about here is having programs that impact the community in a great way. And all those lots that we gave to Vines, a lot of them where the biggest spot is down uh, off Susquehanna Street there, that was never going to be built on. That was a property that was flood-prone, uh, uh, and a lot of um, houses that were flooded out, torn down, and then given to vines. There's other lots, uh, almost every lot that they've gotten from the city is not a lot that's likely to be built on. And, and that includes uh, uh, many other lots around Broome County, too. I mean, some right. some of the lots are in areas, flood-prone areas. Some were in areas where houses had to be torn down because they're in such bad shape. And right, the likelihood right. that somebody was going to build at that at those sites was, was slim. So better, in my personal opinion, better to have a garden in someone's neighborhood than an empty lot that is not going to be developed any time in the near future. And the interesting thing, I was talking to the people from Vines the other day, and there's a big lot over not up at the end where they tore down a bunch of houses at the bottom of Lourdes Road. And there was, I said, that would be a great place for a community garden. They said, you know, people in the richer neighborhoods don't really have that much interest because they have enough money to go into the store and buy produce, which is uh, fresh produce, and they have access to it all the time. A lot of these uh, community gardens are, uh, you know, catered to people who don't have access to um, good produce, like I said. And, and so I just uh, hope, John, will rethink that and understand that uh, some projects aren't just, uh, you know, everything doesn't have to make a buck. Everything, uh, the contributions to health care, you know, reduction in health care costs for um, a lot of people who are now eating good, fresh produce, or learning about a healthy diet, uh, those are Im immeasurable things that will last a lifetime. And uh, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Well, that's Matt from Binghamton, former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan, live on News Radio WNBF. Bob Joseph with you on a Tuesday morning. Our mission continues for the next two hours. Don't touch that down. Genuine WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It looks like we've got a few clouds that have rolled in. The humidity level is 
fairly in the tolerable range. Once it gets into the 50-degree mark, it starts to feel a little more on the sticky side. 58 degrees right now in Binghamton, partly sunny for today. Mid-70s for a high. Winds picking up. We could have gusts as high as 20 miles an hour, although they're fairly calm right now out of the west at 7 miles an hour. A Binghamton man is being held on attempted murder and weapon charges following a shooting incident yesterday afternoon that sent a resident that that shares the house he lives in to the hospital with serious injuries. City of Binghamton police say 48-year-old Franklin Smalls is accused of shooting a 26-year-old at their home on Prospect Street blocks from Woodrow Wilson Elementary School. Around the time school was letting out for the day, around 3.30 p.m., the victim's condition was not available this morning. Binghamton police were called to the home at 314 Prospect Street with a report of a man who had been shot. And they found the 26-year-old wounded in the abdomen. He was transported to Wilson Memorial Regional Medical Center for surgery. Police say during their investigation, it was determined the victim had been involved in a dispute with another, quote, known resident of the home. And the victim was shot with a handgun during the argument. Smalls was located at the house and taken into custody. A search of the home turned up a SARS USA 9mm handgun and a loaded 40 caliber Sig Sauer handgun. Police say the investigation is continuing and anyone with information is asked to call detectives at 607-772-7080. WMBF News Time, 10.06. A Binghamton man admits he had a loaded and unlicensed handgun when police tried to stop him on Court Street in the city of Binghamton on July 24th. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 31-year-old Vernon Riddick had pleaded guilty to felony attempted criminal possession of a weapon. Authorities say after failing to stop for police who said they had seen Riddick driving erratically, the former Endicott resident ditched the vehicle and fled on foot. Police gave chase and say they found the loaded 40 caliber Glock handgun that he's accused of possessing tossed in a garbage can along the way. The DA's office says Riddick will be sentenced to five years in New York State prison, followed by five years post-release supervision when he's back in court in December. Now, a check of past news reports involving Vernon, Vernon Riddick shows the man was arrested during a traffic stop in Binghamton in September 2016. And the then 25-year-old Endicott resident was charged with felony attempted second-degree murder and misdemeanor criminal impersonation. The account in the September 2016 edition of the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin says police had apparently been looking for Riddick in connection with a September 6, 2016 incident near 88 Liberty Street. In that incident, a man had been shot in the leg and suffered a non-life-threatening wound that that shooting had reportedly been the result of an ongoing street dispute between Riddick and the victim. The news release yesterday reports that Riddick had been convicted in 2017 of felony assault. WMBF News Time 1007. According to published reports, the son of U.S. District Court Judge Thomas McAvoy is accused of recording women engaged in sexual acts in his Manhattan apartment. While some of the evidence in the case against 49-year-old Daniel McAvoy was reportedly collected from property owned by his father in the town of Kirkwood. A report published in Gothamist says that the younger McAvoy is under indictment on 29 felony counts. Judge Thomas McAvoy has not been accused of any wrongdoing. 
Daniel McAvoy was reportedly indicted by a Manhattan grand jury September 7th. The report says authorities seized hard drives, SD cards, a thumb drive, camcorders, GoPro cameras, and a white powdery substance in a container from the Manhattan apartment, while DVDs, hard drives, compact discs, a desktop computer, and electronic notebook were confiscated from the Kirkwood property owned by Judge Thomas McAvoy. Delaware County Sheriff's officials are looking for thieves who made off with a rather conspicuous haul. Authorities say someone stole a 30-foot Keystone ultralight camper from Case Hill Road in the town of Franklin after August 14th sometime. The RV was reported stolen on the 27th. The beige-gray tow-behind camper had New Jersey plates TXP17X. Anyone with information has to call the Sheriff's Office at 607-832-5555. The Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce is gearing up for its latest community building series, which takes a look at agriculture, energy, and transportation industries. This is the third panel discussion, and it's taking place tomorrow morning at the Holiday Inn in downtown Binghamton. The Chamber says it's holding the 2022 Community Building Series to provide the region with an in-depth view of industry sectors in Broome County. Those wishing to attend can register at greaterbinghamtonchamber.com, and they can have their questions answered by giving the Chamber a call at 607-772-8860. WMBF News Time, 1009. You want... The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, partly sunny today, breezy gusts as high as 20 miles an hour, high in the low to mid-70s, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-50s. Tomorrow, it'll be partly sunny with a 30% chance of mainly late afternoon showers, a high near 80. Thursday, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, partly sunny, a high in the mid to upper 60s. Friday, mostly sunny, a high only in the upper 50s. And Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Currently, it's 58 in Binghamton. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WNBF, WNBF.com with Bob Joseph. And it's the second hour. We'll be taking your phone calls soon. So if you have things you'd like to discuss, I certainly am going to be able to hear what you have to say and maybe start up uh, a conversation on a few things. So we look forward to that. Of course, we're here every day from 9 to noon on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM, always streaming at WNBF.com. Coming up in the studio, the owner of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, David Sabatka. Take a look back at the 2022 season and we'll look ahead to the future. Baseball in Binghamton here on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. You're in. Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Bob Joseph 
on your Tuesday morning. Yes, more than 200 days till baseball returns to downtown Binghamton. Join us now to talk baseball and the Rumble Ponies is the team owner, David Sabatka. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Well, I'm well. I am a recovering baseball-aholic, as you said, um, more than uh, more than six months before first pitch next April 11th at home, so uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to occupy my time this winter. Well, one way might be keeping an eye on New York baseball teams. Wouldn't it be interesting, I'm not saying it, it will happen, but still, wouldn't it be interesting to have a World Series with the Yankees and the Mets? Subway Series yeah. is always, uh, you know, a highlight of any baseball fan's uh, span of attention. So I remember the 2000 Series. I was lucky enough to go to one of those games. Uh, the buzz in the city was electric. Um, which which uh, game did you go to, the Yankee Stadium game? I went to the first game at Yankee Stadium, which is the one that went into extra innings where um, – uh, the Mets reliever blew the game in, in the ninth, and uh, the stadium just erupted, erupted. But the fun of watching people walk around with their Mets gear and their Yankee gear and giving each other sidelong glances, uh, that, that's kind of very special stuff. My favorite, my favorite Major League game of all time can't tell you exactly what season it was. It was probably probably about 25 years ago or so. But uh, Yankees hosting the Red Sox. I can't remember. Seems like it was a weeknight. But man, it was scoreless through seven innings, and ultimately the Red Sox won two to nothing. But but just having that kind of a game in the Bronx. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was August. So people, you know, you're in the middle of the season. Everybody, everybody is enthusiastic. And to have that kind of um, excitement at a baseball game is is marvelous. And, well, and you know, you know, Red Sox and Yankees and Yankees and Mets, I mean, the fans love their teams and they get into it. Well, I think we see that here in Binghamton when Somerset, which is the Yankees' farm team, uh, comes to visit. Those games seem to hold a lot more meaning, and even the players attach more meaning to it. And this year, Portland, which is the Red Sox affiliate, came in and spanked us a couple of times. They are really good. So Red Sox Nation out there, uh, there seems to be hope in the future. So it was approximately 10 months ago that we in Binghamton learned your name. I'm looking at the story that I wrote for WNBF.com. It's a deal. Binghamton Rumble Pony sold, and that's when I first heard the name David Sabatka and the fact that you had acquired the, the team from John Hughes. Well, it's been a very interesting 10 months for myself and my co-owner, who also happens to be my wife, Karen, uh, we have learned a lot, um, but we've also um, been very appreciative of the warm embrace that uh, Binghamton and Broome County have uh, have given us. Uh, we couldn't have asked for a better reception. Uh, and now, uh, you know, we are settled in after one season, and we're going to take our learnings from this season, try to apply them, and uh, continue to improve the 
quality of the baseball offering here in the southern tier. Tell me what had to happen after that big announcement November 22nd to get things set for the 2022 season. And, and ultimately, I, I have such fun memories of, of the home opener here on, on, I think it was Tuesday, April 12th, that at 6.35 p.m., the temperature being about 66 degrees, I'm thinking, wait, this is too good to be true. But I know between the announcement, the formal announcement of the team acquisition and getting ready for the new season, that a lot had to happen just to get get ready for your first season as new owners. Well, I think it's a large misconception that we get most of the winter off and then we just open the gates in April and everything kind of falls into place. So having acquired uh, the team right before Thanksgiving, we actually got a late start to planning the season and we're already a couple of months behind. We had to figure out what special jerseys we're going to wear, what special nights are we going to have, who is going to make personal appearances, uh, uniform decisions. Uh, we found out about our coaching staff uh, shortly thereafter and how to accommodate uh, them and the Mets players. Where are they going to live? Uh, there's so much to do in the off season as well as just the good old-fashioned logistics of buses and hotels and meals and everything that goes into keeping our our players uh, housed, fed, and happy, uh, because happy players tend to perform better. And that's one of the things that perhaps the casual fan has no clue. I think a lot of people who follow uh, minor league baseball and have followed uh, the Binghamton teams over the years do understand a lot of what you mentioned. Let's say Perhaps uh, the vast majority of people figure, no, you just uh, you you put out the schedule, you announce um, ticket prices, and turn on the lights and open the gates an hour before uh, the first pitch, and voila, it's it's just that easy. And I know from covering Binghamton baseball teams and owners over the last three decades, it's not that easy. Well, Karen and I learned very quickly once the season opened that this is not a nine-to-five venture. Uh, when the team is home, we are talking about 12 to 14-hour days. And I think a lot of people who go into minor league baseball thinking about a career in sports uh, don't realize that either. And by about the third homestand, they're exhausted. And if there's a reason why we're home one week and away one week generally, and that's because we need that week to recuperate and plan for the next week because it is a daunting task. Uh, and then you throw in a few of the variables like the weather, uh, which in Binghamton fortunately didn't rain that much this year. But the threat of rain always makes us having to uh, plan for contingencies. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it if there's a rain delay? Uh, all the little things that go in. So uh, a bigger uh, a bigger task than we thought it was, but uh, the love of, uh, of the sport and the love of being here in Binghamton and with this franchise really carried our energy through all that. And... 
as you mentioned, with with weather, you can't control that. There are other factors you can't control. And the, the bottom line is, and I had conversations with your predecessor, with John Hughes, I mean, you can plan great promotions, fireworks nights, special guests, um, special themes, and you never know for sure how it's going to be received. You could come up with the perfect minor league baseball promotion, and then for whatever reason, inexplicably, it's like, well, why aren't people as excited as we are about this concept? I think that's part of the learning process for us is trying to understand the market better and what works and what doesn't work. And I think we had a few successes. I know one success is having a surefire Hall of Famer uh, starting as your pitcher. Uh, when Max Scherzer was here, uh, we had standing room only and we were turning away people. That was really our only uh, sellout of the season. We had some other big crowds, but that was the, the, the biggest sellout. So we know that talent uh, certainly sells, but as you say, uh, all the planning – uh, doesn't necessarily translate into fan satisfaction. So we're learning. I think it's a constant, constant learning process about what appeals to people, what's going to get them out to the park. And then afterwards, what did you enjoy? And, Bob, I know you're a fan that comes out, and you're very liberal with your feedback. I'm very appreciative of that. And I love it when fans come up to me and just let me know what was good and what was less than good and what we need to improve on. And you mentioned the appearance by the Mets ace, Max Scherzer, and that happened exactly three months ago. I'm looking back on on the story we did on June 20th, day before the game when when he was able to appear in Binghamton. And I also realized, too, from talking with you and others with the Rumble Ponies, it's great to know that you're going to have a big crowd on hand, but you also had precious little time to prepare for a, a record size crowd at the downtown Binghamton Stadium. The Mets gave us about 36 hours notice, which we're not complaining. We, we loved uh, having uh, Max Scherzer here. Uh, but I think that's the nature of the beast with these rehab assignments. They're not ever quite sure when the player is ready to go. Uh, and they're never quite sure where the player is going to want to go. So they have a couple of choices. They can send them to Binghamton. They can send them here. They can send them to Brooklyn. All three of the Nets uh, teams, even St. Lucie, their lowest-rated team, had Jacob DeGrom do a rehab start. So, you know, there are a lot of choices, a lot of variables. Um, It was hard, but we'll take it. Well, and even, say, if... If you received word 10 seconds in advance from the Mets organization that Max Scherzer was going to be, it'd be like, okay, we'll, we'll put out announcements and we'll accommodate people as they come in or whatever. But in, indeed, it just shows whether you're a minor league baseball owner or Americans in the mi- middle of the pandemic, you have to be flexible. <laughs> Truth. I think minor <laughs> league uh, baseball is all about flexibility. And and patience, too. I'm sure there's so many things. They say patience is a virtue. Absolutely. And I, I imagine you and your wife learned that lesson or relearned the lesson over the last 10 months, getting set for the season and for the duration of the season that just ended on Sunday. you got to be patient, have to be flexible, and just, hey, take 
take it, take one day at a time in a, in a lot of cases, I assume, because you can you can make a plan for, say, the next day's game, and then suddenly a lot of things change um, from the time that you thought you had everything locked into place and um, between then and the scheduled first pitch. Well, we certainly encountered a lot of issues with the supply chain this year. Uh, things coming in a lot later or closer to deadline or not at all uh, than we would have liked and having to shuffle uh, according to our suppliers, uh, you know, kind of variables. So, yes, we uh, we learned to think on the fly uh, and... Just always mindful of the fans and creating an experience that's at least as good as what we planned. Uh, and patience is a part of this process. We've always looked at this as a multi-year project. I think we were building momentum toward the end of the season in terms of getting people back to the stadium, comfortable coming out, finding that, wow, this is really an enjoyable experience. Uh, and I th- we'll look to build on that momentum next year. And even in the off season, we're going to try a couple of things to get people down to the stadium. So a week from Monday. I was going to say Monday night football. Yep, we're going to have the Giants and the Cowboys on the big screen in center field. Uh, we're going to open the gates at 7.30 for an 8.15 game, and we'll be serving food and beverages. And uh, it's a great opportunity for people to come out and watch some football in a group setting rather than sitting alone on there, you know, or sitting uh, by themselves uh, in their living room. Come scream and yell at the big scoreboard. And that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I think a lot of people will want to um, experience that, experience uh, a Monday night football game with other fans, even if you're not at the game itself. As far as um, the challenges of attendance, and at- attendance challenges are not unique to minor league baseball, even major league baseball, and other sports have been experiencing some challenges. Some could be post-pandemic some are just as people get more and more acclimated to oh i can sit home and stream whatever i want whenever i want on my eight thousand foot screen and i don't have to worry about parking or after the game i can go right to bed so attendance challenges are always one of the biggest things that team owners are facing and of course binghamton's no exception no they're not but i think when we get people to the ballpark once if we can get them to try it they come back it is an absolutely beautiful ballpark i take zero credit for that Uh, the city has built and maintained a fantastic asset for the area and on a nice evening or a beautiful weekend day it is just a great place to kick back and relax or bring the kids or bring the grandkids. Uh, it's a safe space. You don't have to worry about, you know, if your kids are running around. They're not going to get into any trouble there. And uh, it's just, you know, kind of two, two and a half hours of pure relaxation where you can tune out the world. Put down your phone. Don't look at social media. Just enjoy the surroundings. I, you know, I think we have a winning formula here in Binghamton, and I think more and more people are going to find out about it as time goes on. So, 2023, the home opener is April 11th. April 11th. Against yes, sir. who? Who will the uh, Rumble Ponies be playing? 
you, I, I believe it's going to be Hartford. Okay. <laughs> I love live radio. I love putting people. It's like you didn't say you're going to ask me what the date of the home opener is and who we're playing. Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to like get rid of all the information overload from 2022. I I, yeah, you're, and, it's and, been and, less than 48 hours since the season ended, and you're trying to decompress and and like I, I I'll have a few days till I have to focus on spring of 2023. Now, speaking of that, so you'll have a chance now. For a little bit of time for you and your wife, I hope, to relax and maybe take a, a vacation before you start planning for next season in earnest. No, I think the vacation will come around Christmas time. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't think that's happening. There, there's a lot going on. We have some surprises that we'll be unveiling uh, in the middle uh, or the beginning of October. Uh, and we're also we're already in the, you know, the mode of trying to get people signed up for season tickets. Uh, we've revamped our season ticket plans. We think that we are offering a lot more value to people. I urge them to go to our website or call the box office to find out about it. Uh, it's a great way to secure tickets and get all kinds of perks uh, that go along with the season ticket. And that's really what we're trying to deliver to people is come out, come often, bring your friends. If you're a company, have an outing. If you're a church, have an outing. Uh, we'll make you feel right at home and uh, deliver really a, a great experience for a modest, uh, modest cost. One final question. Tell us about your dog. Your dog got a little bit of exposure in a, a video I tweeted from the game on Saturday night, and uh, judging by the number of people who viewed that little video, um, he's popular. He said he was. He has his own following. Tell me about your dog. So Marvin is a two-year-old pug. Uh, he is the sixth pug that we've ever owned. His full name is Marvelous Marvin Pugler. He is named after Marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of my favorite boxers from the 80s. Some of your listeners no doubt remember uh, Mr. Hagler. He just passed away, sadly, um, uh, earlier this year. And Marvin is, he owns the stadium. I take him around in the late innings to go visit with the fans and, you know, whether it's kids or uh, adults, they all want to stop and pet Marvin. He's got a super soft coat. He's the most chill dog that I've ever owned, I've ever seen. Takes it all in, and he tells me he loves baseball. So it's a great fit. He certainly en enjoyed posing for our, our video on, on, actually I said Saturday night, it was Sunday afternoon at the final game, and people can uh, look that video up on our, our Twitter feed at Binghamton Now if you want to see Marvin enjoying uh, part of the, the final game of the Rumble Pony season. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just one other event that we're having uh, in the middle of October, October 14th. We're joining forces with Binghamton University, and we're going to have a little mini music fest there. We're going to have four bands from the university uh, appear on a stage that we're setting up in center field. Uh, and we will be serving food and, and beverages again, and it's just another way of trying to utilize the stadium. Uh, and that's going to be one of our big focuses um, in 2023. We had Nitro Circus this year. Uh, we want to bring more acts, more entertainment to the southern tier. 
along with baseball. Baseball is great, but we've got a great stadium. Let's use it. David Sabatka, thank you and your wife for the work you've done over the last several months to bring the Rumble Ponies action to us here in downtown Binghamton. Look forward to next spring. I wish you and your wife and Marvin the best during the off season. Thank you, Bob. I'll pass it on to Karen and Marvin. Listening to News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. at WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. And we will be taking calls on this Tuesday morning a little bit later. Right now we're joined by Joe Pinion, Republican candidate for the United States Senate. He is challenging Democrat Charles Schumer. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Well, thanks for joining us here on uh, WNBF in Binghamton. So tell me, give me a sense of, of the campaign. I think... We're now 49 days till Election Day. Yes, 49 days until the people of New York, the 19 million and shrinking that still call our state home, have a chance to have a reckoning uh, for a man named Charles Ellis Schumer, uh, who has done very little to improve the fortunes of the people that call this state home, as we have watched uh, cities like Rochester uh, now have more murder per capita than Chicago, Illinois. Watch places like Syracuse, uh, New York, now have more child poverty per capita than any other city in the country. Uh, Watch so many people all through the southern tier uh, see their quality of life decline uh, because the jobs that were promised never showed up, uh, because the fracking that should have been allowed to occur uh, was actually stricken from the public discourse. Uh, So this is our opportunity to say that after 42 years, of Charles Schumer being down in D.C., the people of New York, anyone who can hear your voice and who can hear my voice has the opportunity to tell Chuck Schumer, thank you, but no thanks. So will there be debates? Are you going to be debating Charles Schumer between now and Election Day? Well, we would like to have multiple debates. We have asked uh, to have those debates, or we have yet to hear from the senior senator from this state and the Senate Majority Leader for the nation. Uh, We'd love to come back and have a debate right here with you, uh, because the people in the southern tier need to know uh, why is it that he has said nothing about the defunding of police departments all across this country that led to 12 major cities hitting all-time highs for homicide? Uh, Why is it that he has done very little to improve the academic conditions in our schools, where 60 percent of the children that attend our public schools do not read at grade level? Uh, Why is it that he stays silent while we have had so many issues on the southern border, uh, with fentanyl now being the leading cause of death for everyone aged 18 to 45. And that fentanyl doesn't just stay on the southern border or in the border states. It comes to every single city uh, all across the southern tier, all into North Country. We've seen the rise in overdoses. So uh, he needs to defend his record. Uh, He has refused to do so. In fact, uh, in the 24 years he has been in the United States Senate, he has had one debate on network television in that 24-year period. So uh, he needs to be held accountable. The media needs to be held accountable and ask the question, why are they protecting a man uh, who has gotten uh, very powerful on the backs of New Yorkers who have experienced much pain in his life? 
speaking with the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in New York, Joe Pinion. So seven weeks, seven weeks is not much time when it comes to um, an election campaign, especially up against the uh, most powerful Democrat in the Senate and a person who is so well-known in New York State, uh, his Name recognition, of course, is very high because of his uh, years of service in the Senate and before that as an elected official. So aside from doing interviews, appearances like this here on radio in Binghamton, what are your primary uh, tools, the tools you're going to try to use to get the necessary votes to overcome Chuck Schumer and his name recognition and, and just the power of incumbency? Well, look, obviously the power of incumbency is the greatest force in American politics, and in some ways it's stronger in the United States Senate than even in the presidency, since then there's a given six years of, 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 of uh, job security. Uh, but what we have done, uh, not just over the next few weeks here, but what we've done since January is to go across this state uh, to find our force amplifiers, individuals who can take our message and spread it uh, from uh, block to block, from neighbor to neighbor, uh, to say that, yes, there is somebody out there who believes that it is a crime, that we do not give parents the right uh, to have school choice for their children. Every single place across this state, uh, when we're spending on average close to $18,000 uh, per child, and those dollars cannot be accessed by the families who want to homeschool their children, who want to send their children to parochial school, while we know the outcomes in those schools have not produced the results that American children deserve. Uh, we're trying to spread the word to let people know that their Second Amendment rights are under siege by people who have no respect for the Constitution or your God-given right to defend yourself. And there's a man named Charles Ellis Schumer in the Senate who represents you, who has been rubber-stamping these failed policies. So, uh, yes, if this was the first time uh, we were talking about running, uh, then, yes, we'd be in bad shape. But I think we have done a good job of laying uh, the breadcrumbs all across the state so that now here in the end game, uh, we can get the word out that, yes, uh, Chuck Schumer represents the whole state because some people forget that, that you have the power to remove him. And if you're upset about the economy, the seniors who will watch Chuck Schumer and the people down in D.C. print $6 trillion of our money, uh, and then now we have seniors living on fixed income who have very difficult times having that dollar stretched to meet their needs, uh, then, yes, let your voice be heard. Demand that Chuck Schumer be held accountable. And I think that that message is resonating all across this state uh, from people of all walks of life who recognize uh, that when you're looking at shootings go up 90 percent in New York City and homicide go up 30 percent, when you're looking at sexual assault, not just in New York City, but all across the state, um, exploding uh, because the needs of the criminal have been elevated over the security of the common man with the cashless bail that stems from the defunding of the police. Uh, people recognize that this is abnormal and that we need new leadership and new stewardship that's going to prioritize their needs and their security. Speaking live with Joe Pinion, Republican candidate who's challenging the Democratic incumbent Charles Schumer in New York State on the election day coming up exactly seven weeks from today on November 8th. The Republican Party is divided now, some who are strong supporters of Donald Trump and believe he won the 2020 election and hope that he'll run again for president in 2024. Others 
in the Republican Party are hoping the party can move on beyond Donald Trump. What's your take? Do you think Donald Trump lost the election in 2020? Yeah, I, I believe that New Yorkers are united around the fact uh, that when $12 billion of our tax roll shows up on the tax roll of the people in Florida, that the opportunity that was promised to the people that call this state home uh, no longer lives here. Uh, that, to me, is our unifying message. Sure, there are people in the Republican Party uh, who are divided over what the future of the party should look like. But I think all New Yorkers are united around what the future of America should look like and what the future of New York should look like. New York should not be a place where people should be frightful of sending their children to school because they are not safe there. New York should not be a place where parents are concerned about the reality that their children are going to be walking out of school buildings without the tools they need to become the best person of themselves. So it's very easy to dive down the political intrigue. In fact, that's all Chuck Schumer ever does if you look at his Twitter feed. Uh, but this campaign is not about left versus right. It's about right versus wrong. Chuck Schumer has been too wrong for too long. And this campaign is about us giving the people of New York an honest chance to have an honest choice, to talk about the untold story of New York that Chuck Schumer doesn't want to explore because that exploration leads to the realization that his record over the last 42 years down in D.C. is not one that is enviable. Some independents and even some Democrats who might be listening and may not be enamored of Chuck Schumer might want to know, though, your personal view about the 2020 election insofar as insofar as um, many people still believe that Donald Trump won the election that effectively the election was stolen what what do you personally believe Joe Pinion Joseph Robinette Biden is the president of these United States and that matters because on his watch uh, we have seen the needs of Americans put on the back burner uh, to the tune of $55 billion being sent to Ukraine. That matters because we have seen them playing Russian roulette with the Russians as if they didn't invent the game. And now we have the highest cost of food around the globe because anybody, including Ray Charles, could have seen this disaster coming. It matters because of the fact uh, that they now want to have 87,000 new IRS agents knocking on the doors of Main Street USA when we actually need to have more border agents to ensure that we don't have more parents weeping over caskets for babies that have overdosed from fentanyl uh, because they have decided to leave our southern border open and unprotected for criminal elements uh, to run roughshod across the countryside. So, yes, Yet there's always procedural issues. There were procedural issues in Pennsylvania that I think were an abomination. There were things that happened uh, in Georgia that I think were unacceptable. But at the end of the day, those are things that need to be raised before the election, not afterwards. And our focus is not to litigate the 2020 election, but to make sure that the 2022 election leaves the state of New York with principal leadership over the next six years that can secure our future before the Empire State no longer has the ability to rise again. Do you think Donald Trump should run for president in 2024? I think President Trump is going to do what he thinks is best uh, for him and his family. Uh, we got four years of America first under his leadership. We are now in the throes of what America last looks and feels like. And so if you feel as if your bank account is not going as far as it used to go, if you feel as if your children are no longer being given the safety and the path to opportunity that they deserve, if you recognize that we are sitting here on the precipice of a long L-shaped recession, 
uh, because, again, they printed money like drunken sailors that caused the inflation. Now they're out here trying to raise taxes in the middle of the recession that was caused by that foolhardy act of printing the money. This is not what you would do, whether you're talking about uh, President Obama, whether you're talking about President Clinton, whether you're talking about President Bush, or whether you're talking about President Trump. Uh, It is uh, leader of the free world 101. You do not raise taxes in the middle of a recession. And these policies are disastrous. These policies are destructive. These policies are solely intent on having partisan outcomes, not American outcomes for the people who deserve them. Would you support Donald Trump if he chooses to run in 2024? Oh, look, I think President Trump is going to possibly run. I think Ron DeSantis is also possibly going to run. There was a leak uh, from the uh, pre-advanced copies of Tim Scott's book that he's looking at running. So I believe that there are going to be many factors there. Again, uh, we are not focused on the politics of 2024. We are focused on the suffering happening in New York in 2022. I know you're not focused on it, but one, one direct question. Would you support DeSantis over Trump? I, I don't. I'm not here to have that conversation. I think the reality is that again, I'm running against a man who is the most powerful man in the United States Senate. He has been there for 24 years. The notion that the question to me in this moment is not about the children living in poverty, is not about the seniors on Social Security whose checks are running dry, is not about the fact that we literally have people in the southern tier who are staring at their neighbors across the border in Pennsylvania getting rich possibly on the natural gas right beneath their own feet. These are the issues that people are concerned about in Binghamton. These are the issues that people in New York are concerned about. And the fact that we're always constantly talking about the politics and not the people is why America no longer works for we the people. So uh, respectfully, I understand your question, uh, but it's the wrong one. If we're actually going to fix this state and get to a place where we actually finally have a New York that works for all the people of all walks of life once again. If people want more information about your Senate campaign, how can they obtain that? They can go to JoePinion.com. And again, letting people know I've been in New York my whole life. If they can hear my voice, if they can hear your voice, they have the opportunity to go to the polls on November 8th and say that they deserve better, their children deserve better. And with your help and by the grace of God, we can together build a new blueprint for New York that works for every single person that calls his state home, uh, whether you're left of Bernie Sanders, whether you're right of Donald Trump, together we can paint a new picture and write a new chapter in what it means to be a New Yorker. Joe Penyon, Republican candidate for the United States Senate, thanks for joining us on WNBF. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's 1053. We're live and local. On a Tuesday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And you're always connected using the free WNBF app. You wash your hands. WNBF 1057. Back to the phones we go. It's Tom and Endwell. Good morning. That was a, that was a nail-biter for you, wasn't it, that last interview? Yeah, I thought it was a great interview. Yeah, I mean, you were just Trump, Trump, Trump. Like, he was putting out awesome issues. I think a lot of people are concerned about what he's talking about. It didn't... Like you said, it doesn't doesn't matter if you're right, left, center. Like, but you were just 
why were you so concerned about Trump? Because Trump is still a concern. If if you're not concerned about Donald Trump, then you're not paying attention. There's a lot of people that are concerned. And, and you know what? They've been investigating Trump before he even said he was going to run in 2016. Well, maybe they should have started investigating him before he was born. And maybe something would be done by now. Nothing gets done. They investigate for years and nothing ever gets done. You know when is it when when are we going to see the the results of all the investigations? Uh, you know I've been asking the same thing about Hillary, and I know you don't want to hear that, but I've been asking the same thing about that. Maybe you should play Comey's soundbite or when he came up and rattled off all these charges and you know mishandling of uh, secret documents and classified documents, and then just said, "Eh, nobody's going to take the case anyway, so we're going to sweep it under the rug." Like. You didn't care about that. like, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Huh? He said, I hope there are tapes. I hope there are tapes of the stuff that they found. I hope there are tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. Lordy. Uh, no, That's well, Comey. Why, why, you why, mentioned Comey. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. I hope there are tapes. Of course we hope there are tapes. Anyway, the investigations persist, and of course, all... Red-blooded Americans are concerned about what happens next. So, of course, it's going to come up. Can I ask you a serious question? You you could, but the news is coming on in 34 seconds. Serious question real quick. Why is it that nobody was concerned about Hillary's emails and even other presidents and other people in Congress that took, you know, documents of some sort they, they care so much about Trump, but they didn't about Hillary. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because you know? Hillary is not threatening to run for president again. Donald Trump is. Hillary is a has-been. Donald Trump thinks he's the future. That's the quick and easy answer. It's 11 o'clock at News Radio WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. A little cloud, a little sun, a little wind today. High into the low to mid-70s. A Binghamton man is being charged with attempted murder in connection with a shooting incident at a home on Prospect Street about two blocks from Woodrow Wilson Elementary School at the end of the school day yesterday. According to a news release, Binghamton Detective Captain Corey Miner says 48-year-old Franklin Smalls of Binghamton is charged with felony attempted murder and criminal possession of a weapon in the 3.30 p.m. incident at 314 Prospect Street. The police news release reports the 26-year-old man who was shot in the abdomen abdomen and seriously injured, lives at the home and was involved in a dispute with another resident when he was shot. Investigators say they found a SARS USA 9mm handgun and a loaded 40 caliber Sig Sauer handgun during a search of the home. Police have not provided the name of the victim and his condition was not available this morning. Investigators have reportedly confiscated computer hard drives and dozens of DVDs from a Kirkwood home owned by a federal judge as part of a criminal investigation of the judge's son. 49 
nine-year-old son of senior U.S. District Court Judge Thomas McAvoy, Daniel McAvoy, has been indicted on 29 felony counts, accused of recording women engaged in sexual acts at his Manhattan apartment. According to the report, investigators seized three spindles holding more than 150 DVDs, hard drives, compact discs, a desktop computer, and an electronic notebook from property owned by Thomas McAvoy in the town of Kirkwood. Items seized in a search of Daniel McAvoy's Manhattan apartment reportedly included four hard drives, four SD cards, a thumb drive, three camcorders, two GoPro cameras, and a white powdery substance in a container. The news story noted that Judge McAvoy has not been accused of any wrongdoing. His son was indicted by a Manhattan grand jury on September 7th. It is not known when the searches for the evidence were conducted, although it's appeared that they happened in recent weeks. As local health departments are encouraging people to sign up to get the new bivalent COVID-19 booster, the Tompkins County Health Department is publicizing the availability of a vaccine against another spreading virus. According to a notice from the health department, appointments are being taken for eligible residents to get a first or second dose of monkeypox vaccine on Thursday at a clinic being held from 1 to 4 p.m. at the health department on Brown Road in Ithaca. The vaccine is free and available for any individual who may be at risk, including gay men and members of the bisexual, transgender, and gender nonconforming community and other communities of men who have sex with men and who have engaged in intimate or skin-to-skin contact with others in the last 14 days, as well as individuals who have had contact with someone in a social network experiencing monkeypox activity, including those who meet partners through an online website, app, or social event like a bar or party. Appointments can be made for Thursday's clinic online at gotompkinscountyny.gov slash health.monkeypox hashtag mpxclinics or dial 211 for assistance. Meanwhile, the Tompkins County Health Department asks residents to remain aware of symptoms of monkeypox and take steps to reduce risk. Offices back in business for Johnson City today. And around 8 yesterday morning, the mayor's office advised the public that the village's Main Street office and the water department offices on Camden Street were closed until further notice as a result of an electrical issue. The village officials have not given any specifics about that electrical problem, but issued a statement at 5 last evening saying both offices were going to be back in business today. City of Binghamton is providing funding for a new Volunteers Improving Neighborhood Environments or Vines office in downtown Binghamton. The 4,000 square foot office will be located on two vacant lots at Susquehanna and Fayette Streets, which Vines acquired from the city in 2020. In addition to the office space, the building using straw bale insulation will have a large open community programming space. It will be the first net zero energy building in the city of Binghamton. The project in total will cost $1.8 million, with the city of Binghamton providing $300,000 in American Rescue Plan Act funding. With with additional funding coming from Foundation Grants, Empire State Development Grant, NYSERDA Grant, and the State and Municipal Facilities Program Grant money. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, partly sunny for today, maybe a bit of a breeze with winds gusting up to 20 miles an hour and a high in the 70s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. I'm Joseph, continuing the mission as only I can. 
asking a few questions, eliciting a few answers. 607-772-1290 is the number. Email address, bob at wnbf.com. Sometime this hour, I will read an email from a lucky listener. Will it be you? Submit your email now to bob at wnbf.com. If I read your email, you'll have the satisfaction of saying, listen, those are my words on the air. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Je- Pat Jesse from Owego, and I'm talking about Politics 101, Bob. All right. Shoot. Not well, literally. Not literally. Proceed. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, don't shoot. Okay. Please don't shoot. I got you. I got you. Hands up. Okay. The, the biggest thing about Politics 101, and I haven't even taken the course yet, but you asked several direct questions and all I heard was a runaround and that always happens with every politician and it pisses me to hell off. I'm just like, can't you just answer a simple direct question with a simple direct answer? Yes, no. Don't run around it. Don't beat around the bush. And it doesn't matter what politician it is, doesn't matter what party it is, Bob, but that's what I constantly hear. I want to hear values. I want to hear what you believe in. I want to know the history about who you are. And and then maybe I can think about it thereafter. Now I want to hear about your policies. And I don't want to hear about the other party, what's wrong with them. What can you do to fix this country? Because all I'm hearing right now currently is everybody else's problems. I'm like, what are the damn solutions? Can't you people just get freaking back to simplicity well and that's the bottom line and to uh our caller right before the news who pointed out how i had to as they say keep circling back to a particular topic that would not have been necessary if the question was answered directly the first time well you know what on both sides it always depends on what administration is in place who wins and i agree with them in a few aspects I mean, I want everybody held accountable, no matter who it is. I don't care who it is, what party, what their title is. Just be held accountable. But do me a favor when you get out there. Just tell the damn truth of what you think, who you are, why, who, and just be simple. Get to the point. Because we're not, we're not all five-year college graduates. We know them, you know, four or five-syllable names. Jeez, I, I, Bob, I, I'm just getting tired of it. So I know already pretty much to the point, you know, who I'm going to vote for. But I'm just tired of these runarounds. You got to play that song. Just another, another, another runaround. I'm just sick of it, Bob. Well, I appreciate the call. And I welcome all candidates, all office holders who are running for re-election to come on the program, preferably in studio if possible, on the phone if necessary. But be prepared to answer a few questions, and if you do not answer a question directly, be prepared for the question to be represented or possibly uh, re refocused. You know, all these questions are appropriate, and I think especially the way I framed the one question that uh, for independents and even some Democrats who might not like Chuck Schumer, 
when they go to the polls on November 8th, answer this question. That's one of the reasons that that question was framed that way, because anyone who is attempting the uh, awesome or daunting challenge of defeating Charles Schumer should be willing to answer a question like that. It is relevant because, it, and to our uh, previous caller's point, Dave uh, asked, well, wh- what about Hillary Clinton? Do, do we not care about her? Yeah, of course we care about her, and we would probably start asking a whole bunch of additional questions if Hillary Clinton started holding rallies and making noise that she's going to run for president in 2024. As far as I know... And I mean this in the nicest way possible. We're not going to have to deal with Hillary Clinton anymore. I do understand where you're coming from, and I do like the questions that you ask. But I'm also on his side where investigations are simply one-sided. It almost makes me think, uh, I got an idea. Why don't we bring uh, two shows back, either the Liars Club or to tell the truth. Maybe we should bring both because that's what these politicians are. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. 11.15 WNBF, Bob Joseph presiding over what I believe to be the best program on WNBF at the moment. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yes, Bob, this is Vinny from Binghamton. I'd like to uh, talk about Politics 102. <laughs> Thank you. I, that, was, that, was a, that was a great interview. Um, you know, this is why... I don't know why one party wants to get rid of debates, but they do. But debates are important because of just what the previous caller said. We don't know anything about you. We don't know what you believe. You can run far. You can run as much as you want, but we want to see how you're going to govern. Talk is cheap. I understand that. I don't know if you believe that and um, we should get rid of um, uh, the, big, the big money in politics. Um, you know, well, it, if that's the case, if you're saying debates are important and get rid of the yeah. big money, that's in, yep. in effect, that's a condemnation of Chuck Schumer and Kathy Hochul because those two mm-hmm. so far are refusing debate, to debate and they're, uh, they're sitting on huge amounts of money. So, I mean, this is not a partisan thing. Some people somehow no. think... That, you know, I, I, I lean toward Democrats or lean against Republicans. Nothing could be further from the truth. I lean toward getting the information out, accurate information. I want candidates to be precise about where they stand, and I want them to answer questions directly. Now, nobody can force a candidate or an elected official to answer questions directly. I mean, you can't do it. There's no law. And... People will answer questions as as they wish. That's their right. And up to a point, I mean, I have experienced it on live radio before where sometimes I'll try two or three times to get a question answered. But after, after say, the third try, you certainly have to say, all right, um, noted for the record, um, refuses, you know, non-responsive non-responsive to the question, and we'll move on. Because, you know, nobody's interest is served by just repeatedly asking a question that merits an answer, but that the the person who's the subject of the interview doesn't want to answer it. I mean, hey, that, that in itself is an answer. I think 
I think Joe Pinion, like many candidates or like many elected officials, I think his non-answer may actually speak more loudly than a direct answer would have. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and and sometimes I wish I would like to see debates. I'd like to see Chuck Schumer come back and debate this man because I want Chuck Schumer to tell the people of New York what you have done. He's not going to tell New York what good you've done, what you you need to do it. And I and you need to remind him. And and you know, and, and Chuck can tell him and said, "Let me tell you something. When I went against Alphonse D'Amato, I was in the same position you were. You got to fight if you believe in this situation, and that's what we want to hear." Okay, so don't act like, oh, it's so tough for you. It was tough for me, too. It took a long time. I've been in this place, you know, doing this a long time, man. And we can talk what we want, but when it comes to governing, it's a tough job. And for the caller before that was talking about Hillary, I think it was Dave. Dave, how much money do you want to spend? You spent two years, $7 million, 800 pages of garbage, of nothing. It landed like a dug with Benghazi. How much more money do you guys want to do? You're after Hunter Biden. You're talking about if you take over the House or the Senate, you're going to impeach uh, Joe Biden. What is going on? What is going on? This is what I'm saying. So don't don't give me all this nonsense about, oh, how come they're not impeaching? How come they're not looking Hillary, Hunter Biden? That's all you guys do. That's all you do. No ideas. And those, those questions you ask, the gentleman who's going to run for governor, you, the, the questions you ask him about Trump are important because it's coming. This man owns the Republican Party. Well, and that's why it's relevant. As, say, if we hadn't heard anything from Donald Trump in the last six months, if Mr. Trump was engaged in radio silence, that'd be different. Right now, the Republican in America that we hear the most from is Donald Trump. So he, whether Republicans like it or don't like it, Donald Trump right now is the poster child for the Republican Party. I'm not sure that traditional Republicans are proud of that, but that's the emblem of the party for the moment. And it will be until somebody, it could be Ron DeSantis, heck, George Pataki is a young man. George Pataki could run in 2024 and re-energize the party. Like, Bob, here's a question. So, you know, you're running for governor. How do you feel about your fellow Republicans? Say you win. What do you feel about your fellow And by the way, he's, he, he's running for Senate, remember. I, I know oh, you're. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's running against Charles Schumer for Senate. Okay. I'm, okay. Yeah. Um, so if you, run, if you become senator, what do you think of your uh, the, the Republican governors sending all these uh, illegals to these uh, northern states? What do you feel about that? Do you think they should get their funds cut? Or do you think they should keep going? Do you think we should just sit there? Are we going to talk about a border? And what are we going to talk about? And please, 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 do not talk to me about a stupid wall. I want to know what you put more guards. What is that going to do? Putting more people on the border. What is that going to do? Where is these, where's this money going to come from? Do you think it's let, – let, let's dig down into these uh, um, uh, border situations. Do you think it's right that people should wait seven years to become American citizens? Is there a backlog in the, in, in the information of trying to get these people, and they just keep passing it on to courts? We need to start talking about the, the, the deep issues on this border and quit talking about a stupid wall because it's not going to do it. 
That's what that's what you want. You want to talk about the border? Let's talk about it. Or are there congressmen and congresswomen in the in the country that don't want to see a solution to the border? Maybe that could be it because it's such a great issue to talk about. Appreciate your call. Thank you. 1121 WNBF, everybody's welcome, 607-772-1290. If you're one of those people who listen to the radio and says, gee, I wonder why he doesn't let other people on to talk about the issues. Well, the answer to that is you. Yes, you, the home viewer sitting there now, having your fourth cup of coffee and a delicious chocolate peanut donut. You could be the next caller if the price is right. On News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. News Radio Good morning, WNBF Hotline. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Tom from Envall again. Yeah, I what's just up? wanted to follow up with Vinny. Um, you know, he said, how much, how much money do you want to keep spending on Hillary? And then he went right to Benghazi. Like, how much more money do you want to keep spending on Trump? Um, Lots. I think they should spend unlimited Unlimited funds on Donald Trump as long as he is planning to be president. So if Hillary plans to be president, then they should restart all the investigations on her. But to the best of our knowledge, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Hillary Clinton is not planning to be president. Donald Trump wants back, he wants back into his house, and I think he's prepared to do about anything to get back into public housing for another four years rent free. Well, I mean, if you can give me a little bit of time like you did. Uh, no, no, you you called earlier, right? You were on earlier. Yeah, but you took most of my time anyway. You didn't let me, like, run at it like Vinny did. I mean, let's be let's be fair to your audience here. I mean, they see it. You know? You there? Well, of course I'm here. Where can I go? They locked the okay. darn cage. The, the thing doesn't open till noon, so I'm stuck here for another, another 34 minutes. Where can I go? What can I go. do? So, so let, let's talk Let's talk about this big thing with what Trump did, trying to reverse the elections. We've had this conversation yeah. before. Yeah, so let's not relitigate something we've done. Let's talk about what's going on right now. Donald Trump, apparently, they say... The allegations are he had documents he should never have had at his private home. Confidential documents at his home that he shouldn't have had, that he didn't return. And now we have to go through this painful ordeal of hundreds or thousands of pages of documents to be reviewed to see if any of them have to be returned to him. 
so it can be fair. It'll be a fair process, but unfortunately now it's probably going to take another few decades before it wraps up. But the bottom line is none of this had to happen. He didn't have to take documents from when he got kicked out of his home in January 2021. If he had done things correctly and appropriately, we wouldn't be facing this. And the the problem, of course, investigations, they have to continue because we we still haven't gotten down to the the nitty-gritty of who did what. I mean, now they're asking questions of Mr. Pillow. They're asking questions of the nation's mayor. I mean... Of course the investigations must continue and the answers eventually might come out but you know if if the guy if the guy actually wants to retire from public life which he doesn't then you know he should be prepared to be scrutinized The bottom line is one side getting away with everything and and look they said they had Trump how many times they did. I know nothing ever sticks He's the Teflon Don. Nothing ever sticks to the guy. Of course not. And so they probably could investigate him for another 50, 100 years, even after he's gone. Nothing will ever stick to the guy, based on what's happened so far. That's true. Can I get a second in here? 2016, they screamed, the Democrats screamed, that the election was stolen, it was rigged, it was that. But now in 2020, they want to make a massive deal of it. They, the Democrats pushed an investigation after investigation. If they could have overturned that the election, they would have. Well, they probably would have, if they could have. But, you know, it never occurred to them that they could have staged an, an insurrection. You know, there probably are some Democrats who who now... Now, after they see what Donald Trump and his people did on January 6th, they're thinking, well, gee, we didn't know we could do that. If we had only known in January 2017 that we could stage an insurrection and try to get the results of a legitimate election overturned, we would have done it, and we would have done it better. That's my guess. Some people actually are sort of chagrined that it didn't occur to them that you could pull such a stunt. No, the Democrats did that all of summer 2020, but I, we can't talk about that. No, no. Anyway, what about Max Scherzer? Did you see he pitched six perfect innings last night? Yeah, did you see the Martha's Vineyard, how quick uh, those people that want all these immigrations in and how fast they kicked them out? Yeah, and see that sheriff is investigating about that governor allegedly putting people on buses illegally or on planes illegally. Yeah, it's, it's a real... Real strange time. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vesta. Yeah, what's up, Dave? Hey, I, uh, hey, don't you love Vinny? I mean, come on, you got to love No, Vinny. I, mean, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I am so tired of that guy. Every darn day, it seems like he calls in. I mean, what the heck is up with that? Why does he keep calling in? It's borderline harassment. You know what? I I still need. I want to go for a walk in the woods with that guy. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let him because only one person's going to come out. So I, I, there's no way that you and he are going for a walk in the woods. I, I hereby forbid that. (laughs) It's not. It's not. I don't want to cover another story about a shooting. 
No, I want him to point me to the good mushrooms, Bobby. <laughs> Not the good mushrooms. Oh, my gosh. The good mushrooms. By the way, there's a new store on Court Street. It's called the Good Mushrooms. So if you want to know where to get them, they're opening up. They're opening up October fifteenth. The Good Mushroom. I'll uh, I'll tell you off the air where that'll be. Well, 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 Bob. When you guys were discussing, uh, he said the Republicans. That's all they do. He made that statement. That's all they do. That's all. It, it, it's the opposite. The Democrats are the ones that, that do all the investigating and, and cause all the problems. It's not the Republicans. He, he's got it backwards. And, and, and you make the statement too that well, if Hillary would be running for president, then we need to investigate her too. Where was the outrage by you when Biden was running for president? By the way, I'm not outraged about anything what what makes you where is the outrage i'm not outraged okay well why aren't you questioning why they didn't allow the investigation to go forward why did they squash everything so it'll quash everyone use it why'd they do that um when biden possibly was taking money from his son you know, nefariously here. It, that wasn't allowed to go on. You didn't seem to want to dig into that. And Biden was running the pre- for president then. Didn't you want to know if he was doing stuff like that? Of course I do. Yeah, well, they, well, they stopped he, it. They didn't so Joe Biden, Joe Biden ought to answer some questions, too. I mean, if Donald Trump, you know, here's what... To resolve this once and for all, this is my proposal. Next Sunday, instead of 60 Minutes at 7 o'clock, put on, they'll call it The Special Show on CBS. That's all they'll call it, The Special Show. And unlike 60 Minutes, which is always recorded and slickly edited, The Special Show on CBS next Sunday will run for four hours with no commercial interruption, and it'll be totally live. And it'll be... Donald Trump and Joe Biden answering questions from a panel of experts. Oh, I like that. You can be one of the experts. I, I, I will gladly participate. It, it can't be a very big panel because then it would get unwieldy. But get a panel of, say, about three experts. Okay, we've got me. Two other experts, me, Geraldo, and, um, oh, uh, Rachel Maddow. So uh, get us to... Geraldo, Rachel Maddow, and me ask questions of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and we'll call it the special show. It'll run on CBS Sunday night at 7 with no interruption. Okay, I'll go for that. I'll sit there and watch the whole thing, Bob. Hey, this, this bit about spending money, what do you think they spent on Russiagate? With all the investigations and with all the impeachments, everything that the Democrats have done, what do you think? Talk about money. Well, what do you think that that uh, tally came to? Big bucks. Of course it's big bucks. Yeah. Investigations aren't cheap. I mean, even when they investigated Binghamton University for the shenanigans with the basketball team, even that investigation was expensive. So I know firsthand that you can't conduct a good investigation cheaply. So I, I agree. Investigations are very expensive, and gosh... I hate having my tax money spent on investigations, but sometimes you have to bite the bullet and say, let's investigate, let's get the answers. I want everybody investigated, but Hillary, I don't want investigated unless she says that she's going to run for president again. Because at this point, you know, what difference does it make? Am I right? And again, I'm, I'm, by the way, I am not, I'm in no way 
exonerating anything Hillary Clinton ever did. I'm just saying, bottom line, and I, I hate to be blunt because this will come off the wrong way to some people, but at this point, who cares? Before I go, Bob, is, is Hochul going to uh, debate uh, Zeldin, do you think? No. You don't think she'll do it? Well, she doesn't want to. I mean, will will at the end, will she agree to like one or two debates that will be on like on a Sunday morning when most people are recuperating from a wild Saturday night? You know, <laughs> I mean, she may be embarrassed into scheduling one or two debates, but she certainly, look, she's reluctant to do it. And I get it. You know, she's right now, she's, it's her race to lose. So she has, and this is true for many incumbents, including Charles Schumer. They have nothing, absolutely nothing. Charles Schumer and Kathy Hochul have nothing to gain from debating their challengers at all, even once. And that's, and let's face it, their challengers have everything to gain. Because even if they make a mistake in a debate, they're already fairly far behind, so it's not going to hurt them, most likely. And maybe even if they make a mistake, it could potentially help them, because at least then they'll be in all the headlines. Maybe they should intentionally make a misstatement if they actually have the, the chance to do a debate, because then they'll be in the news for a few days. If they just do right. a debate against one of the incumbents, if there's a debate with Kathy Hochul or a debate with Charles Schumer, and their opponents comport themselves with dignity and stick to the truth and, you know, offer a potentially strong case why you should consider them instead of the incumbent, that won't get much news coverage. On the other hand, if they say, you know, make a, a huge gaffe that people talk about for a week or two, Suddenly, they've got name recognition. Suddenly, everybody knows who Lee Zeldin is or, or Joe Pinion. So, you know, a cynic might might even advise them, if they get the chance to debate the incumbent even once, make such a gaffe that uh, everybody's talking about it the next day. And so suddenly, at least their name recognition goes up 50 points. Right now, that sounds you cynical. Know. That sounds cynical. It, it, but I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past some political operative saying, "You know what the heck? Look, it's like at the end, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, we're down seventy, seventy to two. Well, what the heck? Now let's pull out all the stops and see, see what the heck happens. Yeah, you know, it's like Don Belushi, Don Belushi, like John Belushi says, it ain't over. It's not over till we say it's over. So, hey, who knows what they'll do? That's it's part of what makes it interesting. You can't predict the future. And same, even though, here we are, seven weeks away from Election Day, nobody should say, I know who will win these races, whether it's local or state races, I know who will win on November 8th. You don't. You don't know for sure. We know who we think will win. Ultimately, the voters decide, and it, it comes down to, as they say, it all depends on turnout. It depends on who actually cast a vote, either on Election Day, November 8th, or in the early voting. If you don't vote, you can't make a difference. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF and WNBF.com. The holidays are... Party. 
them around, and every time they say these things, you know. Get that dog. Follow them around. Every time they say these things. Jesse from Owego is back. Good morning. Oh, my God, Bob. You know what? Whether I agree or disagree with anyone here on the radio show, there's nothing better than a healthy discussion. And honestly, that's what it's all about. And right there is the essence of live and local broadcasting. That's exactly it, man. So I don't care if it's you or Dave or Tom or Vinny or Beverly or Matt or Jared. There, I said it. It doesn't make a difference who we're talking to. The fact is we are talking to each other and we have a chance to hear each other and get a sense of where people stand. That's that's the beauty of the broadcast industry. Or it used to be the beauty of the broadcast industry. Now we're the only we're the only hope left in the broadcast industry. Ah, that's all right. That's why I stick around and I try to give my best to your show, Bob, because I love everyone who calls in. I, I do really too. Do. I do too, and that's the thing. You know, I don't. I don't expect, and nor do I want everyone to agree with me. If you don't agree with me today, you won't agree with me tomorrow, and you won't agree with me in a year, and you won't agree with me twenty years from now. It doesn't mean I don't like you. Opinions are like a lower respiratory disease. We all have one. I'll leave it there. <laughs> That's a good place to leave it. Thank you with the imagery. Okay. I, all right. I'll try not to corrupt your mind, Bob. Great show today, by the way. All right. Take care. You have a great day. <laughs> 1143 WNBF. I think he's been into the moxie or something. Uh, coming up, I know I keep threatening to read an email. I think... Notice this is hardly a promise, but I think I'm going to read an email coming right up. And people are saying, well, Bob, now you sound like one of those candidates or one of those elected officials. You're giving yourself some wiggle room, so if you don't read an email between now and noon, you've got plausible deniability. To which I say, you're a very good listener. I appreciate your listening comprehension. You're so right. But I still, I might even might even read two emails coming up. So if you submit an email to bob at wnbf.com, as they say at the New York Lottery, you have a chance. This is News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on your free WNBF app. News Radio. WNBF from Binghamton's favorite radio studio. Like a groundhog looking for my shadow and realizing it's not Groundhog Day yet.
And a good morning, 1148 WNBF. Okay, let's take a look for the um, email du jour. Carol Investel writes, Joe Pinion, he seems to have mastered the art of dancing around your questions without stating his real thoughts. You know from his dancing around that he is definitely a Trump supporter. Joe Pinion seems to be concealing his real opinion. Carol from Vestal, thank you for the note. Appreciate that. The um, There's always questions that are asked do seem to be appropriate at the time. And, you know, I give people always... People who come on the program, on a live program, and agree to participate, I give them a heck of a lot of credit. Because as you know, some people don't have that courage. Because it does take a degree of courage and confidence to be self-assured enough to come on to the program and know that no matter what the question is, you you know how to respond. You may not know the answer. If I ask you a complicated question, I think I asked uh, just during our live conversation with the owner of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, just out of the blue. Yeah, so the home opener is April 11th, right? Who who will the Rumble Ponies play? And, of course, he didn't have the schedule memorized. It's live radio. That's that's fine. That's actually, it's actually more appropriate than... Everything that's been so slickly produced, the stuff that we usually receive in 2022 media, everything is so slickly produced. And, you know, the programs, pre-recorded, podcast, edited, slick. And I get it. I get it. It sounds slick and and well-produced and all well-rehearsed. And sometimes they do two or three takes, and some people say, mm, 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 doesn't that sound just delicious? Well, maybe it does, but it also doesn't sound very exciting. You may have compelling information. It just doesn't seem like there's much there. All the life has been sucked out of, of some of the pre-produced, pre-recorded interviews, and that's why... My preference always is to do it live. I still wish, I guess it isn't going to happen, but I wish they would do one 60 Minutes episode from CBS News. One Sunday night could be the season premiere, which just happened this past Sunday, or it could be the season finale that usually happens in May. Just one 60 Minutes program, an hour, or even make it a two-hour special and just do it, call it 60 Minutes Live. The entire program could be three segments if it's an hour. could be more if they schedule it for two hours. And do it live. It would be exciting. Some people would say, yeah, but then there would be uh, potential for technical problems and sometimes questions would not be posed correctly and some people skilled people would run out the clock we saw how george bush did that with such flair with dan rather <laughs> who could forget the dan rather live interview on the six thirty evening news one night with vice president bush i mean people who know the tricks of the trade can really make life miserable if they want to in a live situation and yet 
live broadcast, 60 minutes live. I would watch that. That could be the best 60 minutes episode of the season. 60 minutes live. Hey, schedule a live interview with the president, not like what they did this past Sunday, which seems to be um, something they did in, you know, who knows how long they actually spoke with him and then, you know, edit it down to convenient chunks. Same with the interview that Leslie Stahl did Sunday night. I guess it's a fine interview. Just do the whole thing live for a change. And, hey, let the chips fall where they may. You know, would there be technical problems? Could be. Would there be occasional gaffes? Maybe by the highly paid, highly trained, highly envied correspondents would they make mistakes could be they're human would there be mistakes on the part of people being interviewed i don't know maybe maybe not would you watch i bet you would that's my proposal 60 minutes live well they would never do that bob they know better yeah they probably wouldn't i don't think just like certain uh, incumbent office holders they don't want to do a debate because they think it's too risky or too risque. What did I mean by that? See, if this was all taped, we would edit the whole thing so it would be slick. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, my buddy. Hey, how you doing, Beverly? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm getting there. I'm walking a little more. All right. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, these people that are getting, uh, I, well, what is it, um, oh, they're, they're getting, the people are complaining about them and stuff. You know, you know, I, th- I think if, if, if Trump got in there, I think people would vote for him. Yeah, they probably would. And you know what? If if he's the Republican candidate in 2024 and he wins, I will congratulate him. I will congratulate Donald Trump if he wins the 2024 presidential I mean, all, election. Uh, all these accusations that people make against other people, you know, they... The ones that they accuse always comes out ahead because they drop them or they get tired of of, of pushing them. Yeah, well, you know, Donald Trump is still admired by millions. He's not admired by the majority of Americans, but that doesn't make a difference. It matters how many people actually vote in the next election. And if one more person votes for him compared to the Democratic candidate, then he'll win a second term. It's as simple as that. I appreciate your call. It's 11.55. As always, as always, turnout matters in every election. Bob Joseph on WNBF.
I'm Bob Joseph, thanking you for listening to News Radio, WNBF, 1290 AM and 92.1 FM. Please tune in tomorrow for another interesting episode from 9 to noon on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.